4: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombuscom slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
0: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. Now it's time for a Spotlight Star Wars with your host, Ken Knappsock.
1: Here we are, Spotlight Star Wars 105, and it's a big one. We've got a super-sized interview coming up with pro wrestler and podcaster and big-time Star Wars fan, the Greek god Papadon, Demetrius Papadon, will be here. we got a big interview we conducted. Uh, That's going to be fun, and we're talking about Solo. He loves Solo. A lot of people love Solo. Look, there's going to be a lot of time to dive into this movie and why, uh, why the box office failed early on, or why it didn't work at all, and all those kind of things, and questions. I understand all that. That's part of the Solo story, and we, on Force Center, will dive into that. We already have taken a big, deep dive into that, but today I want to focus on, on one of my favorite things about this movie, Solo, a Star Wars story. People like rankings, right? I'll tell you what, I'll be honest with you. At, at this moment seen the movie twice at the time of this recording. I will put it as my fourth favorite of the new Disney Star Wars films. Uh, Last Jedi, probably Force Awakens, Rogue One, and then Solo. But, as you guys know, if you listen to me long enough, there's things about each one of those movies that I will scream to the high heavens uh, that that are so good. And there's some things that I'm like, eh, not my favorite. I was just re-watching The Last Jedi today, this morning. It was on Father years come on. I like Canto Biden, I like Cantonica. I like the whole ideas behind it. I even like what some of the stuff about the father years destroying the city that kind of uh, you know enslaved them in a way. I like, I like the message there, but it's, it's still not one of my favorite scenes. Solo's got some of that stuff, but I am just... It's fourth on my list, but really you're talking about one through four. I'll put, a, I'll put them all in the Blu-ray player and I'll watch them back to back to back to back. I really like what's going on in Solo. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, under the surface of Solo, though at times I will say Solo stays on the surface. It's one of my critiques of the film. But when you really see these new characters and you really see what they're doing, what they're meaning, the breaking down of, of what Kira is doing at the end of the film... Uh, what, what L3's death, what it does to Lando, there's things like that. And I want to focus here for a few minutes. And you're not going to hear about just me blabbing today. I want to get to this great interview with Papadon. It's, it, it, it was a lot of fun to finally talk to him. we become friends over uh, Twitter and stuff talking about Star Wars. Um, to have him on the show was good. And we got a good fan memory coming up here. So I, I do want to get to that stuff. But I, I want to talk about one of the big things I love about Solo Star Wars Story is how it just takes this character of Han Solo, someone we know so, so well, and just says, hey, here it is. Here is the core of Han Solo. The core of Han Solo is a struggle. Yes, he wants to be a pilot. Yes, he wants to break free from uh, the White Worms and Lady Proxima and Corellia, what Corellia's become under the oppressive boot of the Empire, Those all those kind of things. But he wants to fashion himself as something else. There's a motivation to get off the planet and come back, and that motivation is Kira. But along the way, he tries to form this image of himself, right? That's what's going on, literally. Whether you like it or not, it exists. He gets his name while processing for the Empire. Now, if that wasn't in the movie, I'd be okay with it. But it is in the movie, and I love it. The reason I love it is... It's a tag. It is a name. It is a f- new name for, for Solo. He doesn't want his family name. We go later on to hear him say, yeah, I knew his, I knew his father. He, yeah, I knew my father. He built these ships. Probably even built this one. Yeah, we didn't get along. He doesn't want to be marked by that. It, it definitely hangs over him. His father, a lack of father, a lack of family life, hangs over Solo. But he's ready to start anew, but not just start anew and escape. And the motivation up front is Kira. But overall, he wants to form this new identity, this new person. And that new person is a cool smuggler. Han Solo wants to be Han Solo in the way a lot of us fans want to be Han Solo. I am a Han Solo fan. It's my favorite Star Wars character. Why? Because I wish I could be as cool as Han Solo. I wish I could be as... Uh, calm, cool, and collected, though maybe not as collected as I would think growing up as Han Solo. I want to fly the fastest ships. I want to get the princess. I want my loyal Wookiee co-pilot. I want it all. I want to be Han Solo. We fans want what Han wants at the beginning of this movie. So he fashions an image. It's not just hiding. It's not just, I don't like my dad. I want a, I want a new name. Han Solo has a nice ring to it inside and out. For this character of Han, as he escapes from Corellia, so he's built this up, and we all kind of do that in life. We all can do that. What are you? What's your Instagram life? And I'm not talking about just being fake and smiley at the beach when you're feeling down. What are we putting out there? What do we want to be? What are we trying to say about ourselves? What do we think about ourselves? What are we trying to convince ourselves to be? But the end of the day, there might be something in our core that's at odds with what we want to be. It's, a, it's kind of a personal struggle outside of the Star Wars galaxy, right? And I think that's what Han's going through. I think that's what's going on there. And I don't think it ends. Uh, even at my age, some things that I struggled with 20 years ago would be roughly around the age of Han Solo in this movie. Things that you would have thought, oh, I can conquer that. Oh, I went to therapy for that. Oh, I did this or that. It's still there. It still remains. It's still a problem. Han Solo, late in his life, up until the very moment he dies, the hands of his own son, Ben Solo turned Kylo Ren. Han struggles. Han struggles with wanting to be what he thinks he's good at. Says it to Leia and went back to the, The only thing I was good at, smuggling. That's not true. He's good at a whole lot more, but that's what he thinks he is because that's the image he wanted to believe. That's the image he thought was the cooler choice, the better choice, and the choice for him. So when Kira on Savarine says to him, I know who you really are. I love that moment. I think Alden nails it. What am I? What am I? Confident Han, not so confident Han. That is the, the fight of Han, the internal struggle. And she says, you're, you're the good guy. That, to me, makes this movie necessary. Is it necessary? Is Han Solo necessary because we need to know every little detail? Is, is Han Solo necessary because we need to know that Beckett dismantled his, his uh, uh, rifle and at the core of that was the DL-44 blaster and he tosses it to Han is that the moment we needed to see? Is, is, is even him meeting Chewbacca? And I love that moment. I love that sequence. That's one of the best parts of the movie. Do we even need that? No, you're fine with the legends. And I'm not just talking about the comics. You're, you're fine with the legends in story, in the canon story. Han did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs, all right? Hey, that's what he says. That's what we believe. It might have been something else. We didn't need any of that. I can agree with that. But when it's all said and done, and you lay down this movie on the tracks that make up the Star Wars Canon storyline, you're gonna find you're gonna find that you need it. You're gonna find that you need it. Because it's the core it's the thesis statement of Han Solo's existence. I am a smuggler, a scoundrel. I could be a nice man, but I am this Han Solo, an image. I don't want to get involved. I don't need to get involved. It's me and Chewy against the world. I earned my freedom. I learned how to survive. I learned from others. I learned from their failures. He's affected by the loss of Beckett. He's affected by what he had to do to Beckett. He's affected by the loss of Kira. He's also affected by what he doesn't realize Kira is doing. And then, as his life goes on, that carries on. But he's a good guy. Just like he can't turn his back on Infus Nest, the Cloud Riders, her and the people of Savarine right there in front of him. Just like he can't turn his back on them in the moment. That's where he finds himself later on with the Rebellion, and I don't necessarily think it's the Rebellion overall. What he does with Infus Nest and the Cloud Riders and those people on Savarine is he helps them, the people in front of him, because he's a good guy. He's connected to them. But then... When Infus Nest, another wonderful character, says, hey, we need you. There's something bigger going on. And I don't think Enfis Nest is necessarily directly, directly referring to the growing rebellion. I think that comes later. It is all these little pockets, all these little cells of a figurative rebellion that's eventually going to become a literal rebellion. I think InfisNest Nest is saying, we need you, the Cloud Riders, the Marauders. You could be one of us. Help us. We need you. Once Han is faced with the bigger picture, it's too daunting for him. It's overwhelming. And it's not what he wants to be. It's not the choice he wants to make. No. No, it's me and Chewie. Kira really makes it clear to him. Chewie needs you. You need Chewie. All right. Han buys into that. It's me and him against the world. We helped you because you're in front of me. And I don't like bad things happening to good people. And now that I know who you really are, Infant's Nest, now that I know what you're, you're talking about, and I don't like Crimson Dawn any more than I like the Empire, I'll help you now. But it ain't for me. This fight ain't for me. So later on, he's Smoky Kulhan cool in the cantina. You've never heard of me? <sighs> I, re- I did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. I'm the greatest smuggler in the world. I'm the greatest pilot in the world. You haven't heard of me, kid? An old man? And then the force comes into play. Oh, I don't believe in the force. I'm too cool for that. No, no, no. I'm the cool smuggler. But then he's faced with this choice. And why does he turn back? I don't think it is directly tied to the rebellion. I don't think Han and Chewie flew away from Yavin from the Masasi Temple with their prize in hand and said, you know what? Let's get behind that cause. no. Han was connected to Luke because Luke was in front of him. Luke was there. He wanted to help Luke. The bigger picture? All right. In Empire Strikes Back, the movie begins with Han leaving the rebellion. He does not fully commit to the cause. He's a captain now. He's fought. We know from some of the Marvel stuff, he's got some wild adventures between A New Hope and Empire. Whether you read them or not, they're there. But he tells General Carlos Rykan, I've got to go. I've got a bounty hunter on me. I've got a bounty on my head, a bounty hunter on Ord Mandel. It's, i got to go. Han and Chewie versus the rest of the world. That's what I am. I'm Han Solo. But he has trouble leaving because... Princess Leia is in front of him. He loves Leia. He's connected to Leia. He stays to save Leia. He doesn't want to commit to the bigger picture. It's too daunting. That means he has to give up what he believes himself to be. Return of the Jedi. It's a little different. He's all in. He's rescued. It's part of a big fight. He's a little bit older. A couple years older. Behind the camera, behind the scenes thing, Harrison, a lot of people think that's uh, not his best performance as Han Solo's Return of the Jedi. I understand that. I still love that. I still love that Han. But he's there. He commits. But there's a key moment when Leia's listening to Mothma and Akbar and, and General Maydean speak, and they're like, and Leia's like, who did they pull off, get to pull this, this, this invasion of Endor, this boots-on-the-ground campaign? Who... And when he says, uh, you know, it's revealed that it's Han, General Solo, is your strike team ready? Leia's look of shock shows that for the first time, Han may have bought in fully to what's going on. Han didn't listen to Akbar, Mothma, Maydeen give their speech, give their speeches, and Han didn't stand up and say, this is great, you've all been fun, good to hang out with me, and Chewie got to go. No, 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 he's in. He's in. That's the moment, that's probably why he uh, Leia, you know, with the, the, the war clear. Luke's uh, Luke's my brother, he's alive. I know who my father is. Han, now's the time. Let's start a relationship. And then from there, growing up, we thought Han bought in. I don't even worry about Legends or EU at this time. Han bought in, much like Luke. And then the challenge of The Force Awakens and the challenge of The Last Jedi, some things that people maybe don't like, and it's weird that they focus more on the Luke one, I get it, but uh, Han's in the same boat. When we meet our heroes, true to form, Leia's the only one that stuck it out. Because Leia's been the one holding the shield for the galaxy since she was a teenager. She's going to do a lot of sacrifices for the greater good Leia's always been in because it's not just in for other people. She's in for what she believes, and she's in for herself because herself is about the other people. Han, Luke, not so much. So it's not surprising when you think about it, but it was surprising at the time. I was surprised to find that Han and Leia were essentially separated, not together, and he was a smuggler again, a scoundrel. I thought Han committed well, Han is always fighting. He's fighting. He's going back. And this is it you can watch. After watching Solo, you can go to these movies, New Hope, Empire, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, and now you, now you have this story. And now you know when Han's saying, man, things got rough, Leia, I'm sorry, we lost our son, I left. You know that that moment connects to... The moment he's signing up for the Empire and he says, oh, Ah, yeah, 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 I don't have a name. Oh, your name's Solo. Oh, sounds good to me. That moment connects to when Kira says, I know who you are. You're the good guy. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in it for myself, sister. And when Emphas Ness says, Hey, we need you. Join up. You see what we're up against. Help us. And Han says, Yeah, you're pretty good. But I'm in it for myself. I'm in it for Chewie. That's still the same Han and that's, those moments are still in his head when he's now married with child, with a two-year-old in the novel Last Shot. He's stepping on Lego bricks, the space equivalent of them. And he doesn't, not certainly, that he doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to be a father, but he's not good at it. This is something bigger. Now, it's not just Han and Chewie going around the galaxy. No, it's Han, Leia, Ben. It's a bigger cause. And now we've got to rebuild the Republic. He doesn't want to be in meetings to do that. He is Han Solo. Now he has to connect to a bigger cause. He has to get back in. And he gets back in because Lando needs help. He gets back in in Life Debt Aftermath because Chewie needs help. So later on here, Maz says it to him. You're running. You're running. You always run, Han. Get back in this fight, Han. You thought you conquered your demons, but you didn't. You're off with Chewie. You're collecting Tars. You're on the air of Vana, this big Balkan freighter. You lost the Falcon. How could you lose the Falcon? You lost your purpose, and Han probably thinks that. Me, Chewie, and the Falcon, that's what it was. That's who I was. It's gone. I don't know who I am. I don't want to connect. And when the First Order rises and Ben Solo falls to the dark side and Luke vanishes, Leia stands strong. Hel Akbar comes out of retirement. Han runs because Han is constantly fighting, constantly replaying those moments in his head. When Kira calls him the good guy, Enfys Nest offers him to stay, tells him to stay, begs him to stay. Han goes back to the beginning. No, I'm Han Solo. But he commits to a bigger cause, and it costs him his life. It costs him his life because in his final moments, Han chooses to stay. He could have left. could have left Starkiller Base, but he tells them, hey, my buddy's got some explosives. Let's go finish this. Resistance is in trouble. He gets excited. He's all in. He loves the mission. All right, I'm going to take this Finn kid. We're going to land via light speed, crash onto the planet's surface. It's going to be great. That's fun. That's fun for Han. That's the easy choice for Han. And hey, going back to blow up the the oscillator, we're going to help things out. That's the easy choice for Han. We'll get in, get out. Kylo Ren never shows up. They do the job to blow it up. They're on the Falcon and boom, there they go. The story is different, but no. What he sees in front of him in his final moments is his son. And Back on Takadana, he saw his son. He saw his son with Rey, and he turns around. Finn's disgusted. It's a great moment. Finn's confused but kind of disgusted that Han walks away. But Han, Han's being Han Solo at that moment. So here it is now. Leia has asked him to stay. It's a person in front of him, just like Luke was in front of him, just like Infus Nest was in front of him. Just like even, hey, the Ewoks were in front of him. Han is looking at Leia, and she says, bring back our son. Han looks at Ben this one time and says says to himself, I'm committing now. I am not the scoundrel. I'm not the smuggler. I was the good guy, and this is what the good guy will do. I can run around this base like I've done before. I can blow things up. I can make witty remarks. I can get out of the jam. I always get out of the jam. Chewie will tell you. He didn't get out of this jam. He committed. In the end, Han was the good guy. And it cost him his life. And we hope it's not in vain. We talk about that a little bit later today in this episode with Papa Don. But This is the core of the Han Solo movie. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of cool cameos, a lot of cool things. And some of the action is predictable. Some of the swerves are predictable. Some of it you see coming, and some of it you didn't think you needed to see, but you got it. But the core of this movie is something we all needed as Star Wars fans, because it's Han Solo. We know now why he ticks. We know the struggle, and it makes sense, and it's in line with this character from here on out. On that note, I want to keep the joy and celebration of Star Wars going. I'm going to pitch it to myself. With an interview here, a super-sized interview with pro wrestler and podcaster, the Greek god Papadop. Here we go. Uh, hey, Ken. Yeah, take it away. Hey, four center spotlight, Star Wars fans. We always like a guest to pop in. Now that's the new format, and you guys have taken to it. We like getting new voices, and this voice that you're about to hear is someone I've become friends with over the internet because that happens. Our love of Star Wars, professional wrestling brought us together, a, a Hulk Hogan and Macho Man handshake from WrestleMania 4, but from the most dangerous and truthful podcast going today, The Conspiracy Horseman, very interesting stuff. Check it out. The greatest unsigned talent today and the alpha and omega of pro wrestling, the Greek God, uh, Demetrius Papadon. How are you, my friend? I am doing very well, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing great in this wonderful time to be a Star Wars fan, even with all the controversies. We've got great movies, great stories, great t- characters in front of us.
3: You know? I, I couldn't agree with you more, absolutely. And to all the haters out there, take it easy. I mean, <laughs> let's face it, I, I, just sit back and enjoy the movie for what it is it's entertainment. It's not, yeah. it's not it's not it's not going to pay the rent. It's unless you're working for Lucasfilm and you're getting a check from them. That's a different story. But in retrospect, the reason why we go to the theater is just so we can escape reality and our problems and, and, and you know, lose ourselves in disbelief. Absolutely.
1: And, and Star Wars is still doing that. And and in this era of new Disney films that aren't always perfect, but we connect to things you've connected to to uh, correct me if I'm wrong, most of what's going on. Right. You're, you're in, still in love with Star Wars.
3: Oh, I love it more and more every day. I mean, the way I look at it, it can always be worse. It could be Star Trek, right?
1: <laughs> Fighting words from one of the true heels of professional
3: wrestling.
1: <laughs> when, when, when did your love of Star Wars kick in?
3: Early, early? Oh, uh, no, yeah. When I was a little kid growing up in uh, in Queens, New York. I used to watch it on the VHS tape uh, on, the, on something that we called a VCR back in my day. And, uh <laughs> And uh, my brother and I, we used to watch it and we used to think we were in the film. So the part where the rebels are in the beginning, in the beginning scene where they're shooting down the hallway, we'd yeah. go behind, you know, in the kitchen had two, um the wall. The, the way the kitchen was cut out, there was two little parts of the wall sticking out. We'd hide behind there. Make believe we were shooting at the screen till Vader came out, you know, with his music. So yeah. ever since I was a little kid, been infatuated with the War of Stars. The, you know, I love hearing that because, as
1: I've told the story before, there were some, some palm trees in my backyard, the t- tiny ones that I could climb on, and they were angled, so it was like a speeder bike. It's amazing nice. what we kids can turn into, turn into a, you know, a playground there, you and your brother the walls in your house. Absolutely. We
3: didn't, we didn't need an iPad. We didn't need a, a gaming console. We used something called an imagination, <laughs> something, kids, something kids today lack, unfortunately, but that's another story for another time. Another,
1: yeah, a whole nother podcast, but let's talk specifically about Solo. You're on board with this film. You really like what's going on here. Well, what's what's drawn you into it?
3: Well, to be honest with you When I first, you know, heard about their making A Han Solo film, I said "Uh, Okay, I mean, we don't need it But, you know, Han's my favorite character So, sure, let's see who they cast You know, I mean, obviously you aren't going to cast uh, Harrison Ford Because the guy's like 734 years old So, but he's a great (laughs) actor So let's not not disrespect Mr. Solo himself Um, Aside from that fact, you know, I, I saw the first trailer Wasn't buying And we spoke about this behind the scenes Wasn't buying Olden Aaron Reich's portrayal of the character I loved everything Mm. else that I saw and then the second trailer Mm -hmm. came out and I loved it they sold me on it and I was very excited and then when I went and saw the movie I was flabbergasted with joy because it was so much fun yeah Uh, it Mm. felt like Star Wars you know and people can say what they want to say about the new regime of films I personally love Mm. all of them but I think this one in particular is such a good throwback to the old school way of directing and i really 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 hope that ron howard himself gets a chance to direct the sequel because i think they'll hit another home run yeah would you that that's interesting so you you i i love this
1: this growth and, and it's and it's a lesson for a lot of us there you know you see something at first you're like ah I don't know if, know if I'm ball, buying Alden. You, you and I talked about it. And then what what clicked in that second trailer? Was it Alden specifically? And where are you at with Alden now after seeing him over the course of two hours?
3: I think Alden did a fantastic job portraying Han. Um, like, like many people said, you, uh, you know, the rest of the people on Jedi Council and on uh, the Force Center podcast that you guys do over there, you don't want an imitation of Han Solo. You want a character that feels like Han and he felt like Han During the movies it, obviously it wasn't Bitter grizzled jaded Han from New Hope but guess what you have yeah. to get There you know Rome wasn't built in a day Walk before you run analogy so They, they did a great job yeah. and he felt like Han At times and granted he doesn't Look like, uh, like uh, Harrison Ford but come on let's face it you know Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford this is old and era right he's making the character himself if you can have four or five different James Bonds you can have two different uh you know Han Solos playing the character as long as they keep it true to the essence of the character and I think he hit home run with that um as far as the second trailer itself what really won me over was the overall story um of what they were trying Mm -hmm. to portray this the cinematography of the trailer the music itself I'm not a big music guy as far as um uh, scores go But the way You and uh, Harlov talk about it You kind of smartened me up on it So I kind of fell in love With the movie soundtrack um, And It was just yeah. great I just loved the, the essence Chewy of course You know Everything From start to yeah. finish The second trailer Just one way over And then this one this yeah. one TV spot that they had later on where he points and he goes, a great pilot, the way he pointed at Beckett in that, in that, in that one split second and looked at him, yeah. it reminded me of the way Han Solo would point at someone and say, you know, say I'm a great pilot or whatever he would say at that moment. It just felt like Han Solo, so –
1: yeah, I think that's where Alden really succeeded with these little moments. Overall, he made some great choices as an actor, and and you know, with hey, with oh, with three directors handling him in, at, at different points, and and this this whole room is the acting coach thing. Yeah, it would all worked out. But yeah, it, what what really really pulled me in was what you just described those little moments. His hands on his hip, the way he turned around to face Kira one of the last times in that last scene. like, this is, he's got everything down. He's got the essence of Han Solo
3: down. So he really captured it. I couldn't agree more. And his, uh, his chemistry with Chewbacca was, you know, spot on. I mean, they didn't miss a beat. They had great chemistry together. It brought it back to Peter Mayhew and Harrison Ford's chemistry together, you know, and uh, it just, it was a very strong focal point of the film. I feel, I, I feel in regards to their relationship. Yeah, you and you bring up Chewbacca, you brought him up a
1: couple times there. Yeah, that is key. Because Han and Chewie, they are they are you know the 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 fries and, and burger of, of it so to speak. Though I think Boba Fett's sometimes the fries in that scenario. Uh, but Chewie and Han, this was really kind of a Chewie and Han love story at times. You feel Chewie finally got his due?
3: Uh yeah. I mean, the only way they could have topped it is if they gave him a medal at the end of the movie. But uh, <laughs> you know, aside from that fact, I mean, I think I think they showed a, um I, I I they they were able to show Chewie in his essence uh and, and let's face it I mean Peter Mayhew being how old that he, that he is now he can't do the part. so the the new guy uh what's his name um Jonas yeah yeah Jonas he did a great job and you know it, it, it just it felt like Chewie I mean it didn't hmm. feel like another guy in a suit it felt like Chewbacca so again yeah. Yeah. To, to me, this film is a home run, you know, and when people, you know, with the, with the box office numbers coming out and people saying it's a failure or a flop, I totally disagree with that. A hundred percent, hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let's dive into that there. Let's dive. it's definitely been part of the news and part of the news cycle around this movie. And, and a lot of people are twisting it to, to fit their narratives. Look, there's some facts there. Yeah. It didn't do as well as people would have expected or as, as the projections, but sometimes those are just projections. So I understand the, that talk, but, but you, you are kind of like me and a lot of people are like numbers be damned. This is a good star Wars movie.
3: Oh, absolutely. And what people don't realize is the, it, All right. There's many variables in this equation, many factors that attribute to it not meeting its expectations. One is the numbers that they thought they were going to get Is um, unrealistic, reason being you had two blockbuster films come out back to back right before it. So you have a person who's making X amount of dollars a year. They're not going to go to the movies three weeks Mm -hmm. in a row if they don't go to the movies every week to go see a feature. They're going to probably pick out a movie once every couple of months to go see. So if they went to go see Infinity War once or twice and then maybe had extra scatola in his pocket to go see Deadpool... Then they're going to give up seeing Han Solo, you know, and that also attributes to the fact yeah. that marketing was only a couple of months before they dropped, and the, uh, the 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 trailers and everything only came out a couple of months before the film came out. That didn't help either. Mm-hmm. Usually, Star Wars has you know six months to a year before they drop a teaser or a trailer to get everybody hyped up. So it was a little uncanny uh, the way they they. I mean, let's face it, the way they, they they marketed this film, but that's due to the fact of all the discrepancy that was behind the scenes with the directors and production. But again. Yeah you know what they hit a home run with it because in a matter of three to four days after following infinity war and after following deadpool 2 and during memorial day weekend the weekend that people go away with with their families and don't automatically go to the theater as their first choice for that weekend Mm -hmm. they still made a hundred million dollars right so my prediction is that week number two the drop off is not going to be as great, mm. so you'll have a film like let's say Deadpool Two that will have a forty or fifty percent drop off it's week two because everyone went to go see a week one and only a handful of people go see it a second time. I think the people who were boycotting, which was ridiculous or <laughs> didn't go didn't go see the film for whatever reason they didn't have the money they were away with their family or they went to go see Deadpool or Or um, Infinity War Second or third time They're going to give This film a shot So I think the drop off May be in a You know 20% Or 25% Or even 15% range This Hopefully This second time around They'll make their money back In the long In the long term But I mean Fact of the matter is It just didn't Meet expectations Because the expectations Itself was poorly planned on uh, right. Disney and Lucasfilm's part and also it was unrealistic because yeah. of all the factors and hurdles this film had to overcome to get to where it got right and I, I think you're speaking some truth there including getting made with the director controversy
1: yeah, and there's all these kind of things but again at the end of the day this movie comes out there's so much stuff to love in it what are some of your favorite things in this movie scenes moments characters stories I want to hear what you love
3: well I loved i the first well first and foremost the uh, the um the scene where Han and chewie starts flying together they sit down on the falcon and they the first time they actually sit together i got chills yeah. i got yeah. chills in the theater um, you did i i like i like the um I like Lando. I think Lover did a great job portraying Lando when he first walks into the the the, the card game, the sabat game, and it sounded like Billy D. Williams. You can close your eyes for a hot second and think it's actually him. Yeah. Um, the 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 banter between Han and and. and and uh, uh, Donald Glover, when he goes, I hate you. He goes, I know. Little throwbacks <laughs> like that to the original film when he hate, when when Lando says he hates mining colonies, which is kind of ironic because yes. let's you know what I'm saying. Like you know, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. He's he's running a mining co- colony, so little things like that. You know, the, yeah. I love the fact the Falcon was different and the way they got to the Falcon was fantastic. The fact that they put oh, yeah. the uh, L three three uh, L three three seven into the yeah, yeah, I mean, they were able to. They were able to uh, mm-hmm. backwards engineer everything to perfection, in my opinion. And to me, um, what I really, really enjoyed besides the surprise cameo at the end of Mall, because I popped for that, obviously. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Was the way Han won the game. Yeah. Because, uh, won the Falcon at the game. Because, you know, the way they dropped the trailer, yeah. they made you think, oh, here's, a tr- here's the game, but we're not going to show you the last hand. And then when they show you the last hand the first time around, he loses, and you're like, "Wait a minute, what?" And then by that time, you you realize that they're gonna do a sequel, and you're saying, "All right, maybe he wins the Falcon in the sequel." But in the third act, the last scene, <laughs> after he gives after he gives he gives uh, yeah. uh, uh, La- uh, what's his name Lando his La- hug, that that same that same hug that Lando gave him in Empire and and swipe and swipe the the card up his sleeve, he won the Falcon. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, it's a great – I call it the the Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville ending of that movie, going to that uh, tropical planet there. Yeah, so much stuff to dive into. You mentioned the cameo. You are a Star Wars nut. You're going back uh, to your days as a child. You've watched all these movies. You're on board for these characters. Maul shows up. You say you popped. I popped too. Uh, sit next to Harloff. He, he's he's confused in a great way. Uh, uh, this this is a fan service moment in a lot of ways. Hey, you guys like Maul, but it serves the story and the timeline of Star Wars as well. So, uh, are you happy with Maul? You 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 where do you want to go with that character from now?
3: Well, I'm happy in one because I'm a big mark for Maul, all right? Yeah. Um, that's a wrestling term for fanboy. Um, so, um, I know you know that. I'm just explaining that to the uh, <laughs> to the, to the yeah. listeners. But uh, yeah. uh, I'm a big I'm a, I thought he was very underutilized in the pre mm-hmm. in the prequels. One of the best things out of the prequels was him. Um, sure. And the way they brought him back, you know, it was a little, you know, his anger kept him alive. All right. You know, the only reason yeah. why people buy it is because they love Maul, you know? Otherwise, if it was if it was like some other character like Dangar, or, or Gal- you know, people <laughs> wouldn't buy it, you know what I mean? But, uh, point being is, um, he <laughs> does his deal. He does his deal in the clone wars, right? That, you know, with yeah. the, with the Mandalorians, he shows up in rebels. Everyone thought he's going to turn, uh, um, uh, Ezra. Yes. And then at right. the end, they have the fantastic battle, you know, with Obi-Wan and he meets his demise, which was w- very well done. In my opinion, I marked out for that big time. And then, um, I love the fact that they're incorporating it more in the, in the timeline because it gives the fans what they want to see, and that's something with Maul. Now, if this leads to Maul in the sequel, great. Maybe a, maybe a gangster fight between the huts and the uh, dark, dark, whatever, uh, what is it called, Crimson Dawn, or whatever they were what to call. Yeah, Crimson Dawn. You know, and then, or even if this leads into like a streaming six-part miniseries, of the underworld and the mafia ties You know on the, on the streaming channels I, Who knows It could lead into something But the one thing that they cannot happen Is they can't have Han and Maul interact Because of what episode 4 says When he doesn't believe in the force So yeah. that's the only thing that they can't really touch Because it would have been cool to see Han and Maul get in an altercation But then if he sees Maul Then he can't say that the force doesn't exist Because obviously he's a force wielder But other than that
1: other than that, you're there. Yeah. It sounds like that. I love hearing your excitement for this kind of stuff and and these bad guys. Uh, uh, you know, you 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 are a great heel, man. And in the world of wrestling, you know you know how to work uh, work it uh, in that in that way. There, I've got to talk about like so, like Kylo Ren. I want to jump a little bit to the Last Jedi and the saga films. Uh, I think Kylo is one of the great villains because you can get behind him and believe his cause, even though you're rooting against him. Uh, I think Killmonger is a great example in Black Panther. For the guy You're listening, you're going, I, I understand your point, but you're a bad guy, a quote, quote unquote bad guy. Uh, you know how to tell that story from the quote bad side. Where are you at with like Kylo Ren and some of the villains in Star Wars now?
3: I absolutely love Kylo Ren. And cool. the reason why is because he's the complete 180 different a different, uh, uh, difference of Darth Vader, where Darth Vader was the brooding, menacing, uh, bully, kick-ass. He starts off as the whiny young child who's insecure and hides himself behind the mask, but then eventually grows in Last Jedi to who, to the leader of the First Order and does what he thinks he has to do in order to have a fresh start. And you know, there's nothing more menacing or better than a villain that has who believes he's not the villain and has. Uh, a cause that you can actually see his point of view and uh, mm-hmm. just like Thanos, just like Killmonger, just like mm-hmm. uh, Kylo. I mean, he, when you see the, from their point of view, you know, you can understand where they're coming from. It makes that villain less one dimensional and more interesting uh, on a, on a, on a bigger, broader uh, spectrum. Um, personally, I'm hoping he goes back to the light side, but it's not going to happen because there's a couple of fa- ah. there's a couple of fan theories that I heard out there that I kind of marked out for big time, both in episode yeah. seven and in episode eight. You know, the fact that uh, he didn't kill his father, Han Solo. Uh, turned uh, the lightsaber. Yeah. 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 So he could keep him from going full of dark. I think I love that, you know, and then also <laughs> the fact that before Mary Poppins and Leia went into the uh, spaceship. Yeah. She didn't use the force. She woke up through the force, but it was her son that force pushed her. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not going to happen, but those two retros, if they were they able to back engineer that into the storyline somehow and yeah. then have him turn at the end, then great. I mean, yeah. for episode nine, I'd like to see something totally different, to be honest with you, where the First Order is running the galaxy, but they're not running it yeah. under an iron fist like the Empire. They're doing it their way and the people are content with it. So then the rebels end up you know uh being the heels but they're not really the heels because (laughs) they know the underlining factor behind the first order and that their ultimate goal is evil so they're really the good guys there'll be some more it's a little it's a little you know it's a little too deep you know a couple multi-layer booking here but you know at, at the end of the day it makes it for interesting in my opinion uh cinema uh, hey, I, I'm on board with you. I, I
1: love a good theory of Kylo, whether it be Raylo or not. Whether or not I think things are going to happen, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I want Kylo to land. I, I, I understand the redemption story, and there's a, something I like about it because uh, it might serve. You know, Han. We're talking about Solo today, most of them. Han's death. That you know, it's not in vain if Kylo turns back to the light side. But at the same time, I love this doubling down on pure evil and the rise of a supervillain in Kylo. I don't know which way to go.
3: I agree, with, I agree with you 100% because they're both great stories to tell and they're doing it very well. I mean, you could say what you want to say about The Last Jedi. I thought the film was fantastic. It's one of my favorites. There's a couple of yeah. scenarios in there that I would, I would have orchestrated a little differently, executed a little differently. Right. That would have made, in my opinion, a better visual sense. Or in wrestling term, I would have booked it differently. But right. um, in actuality, I, I mean – people were complaining episode 7 and I'm just going to say this right now that people are saying it's a rehash episode 4 but what they don't realize is that episode 1 is also a rehash of episode 4 because the storyline yeah. that, that Lucas is trying to say is that history repeats itself 1 through 3, yeah. 4 through 6 7 through 9, they're all going to follow the same beat like poetry like he said in that documentary and what's going to happen is right. it's the choices we make whether we go down the path of the light or the dark that's going to changed slightly changed the course of history and that's what the, that's the overall story that he's trying to tell so to me episode seven was a home run minus the death of han solo which the only time you know <laughs> the only time i swear to you in a theater or watching a movie i yell, i jumped out of my seat like a mark and yelled no <laughs> you know and then my, i saw my brother my, my brother pulls me back down goes yo man sit down what are you doing so and then <laughs> Episode 8 I love that Yeah well episode 8 You know I thought yeah. It was a great film But the only beats I would have changed Is in the beginning When when you know He says happy beats With uh, BB-8 I would have showed On the screen You know Inside the X-Wing um, I have a bad feeling About this Like when he was When Luke was going To Dagobah You know what I'm saying And in R2-D2 You could read it On the screen At least people Understand what The right. beeps meant You know what I mean That was the first thing I would I, have yeah. I changed I would have changed The whole uh, Leia thing Meaning that um and listen mm. uh what's his name? Um in Rebels did the same thing mm-hmm. with the space jump using the force, so it's it's doable. It's
1: alone, yeah, Felone. Yeah. So, it's about Dave Filoni,
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dave Filoni had, what's his name? The, um, Ezra's uh, teacher, what's his name? Um, oh, Canaan. Canaan, yeah. Key to do did the same exact thing. But the only difference was the execution wasn't as uh, cheeky or it wasn't as campy, you know, the whole Superman right. pose and all that stuff. I would have done a little differently, you know what I mean? And then the, right. and I wouldn't have killed Luke. I would have left Luke out for episode nine. <laughs> only because she's not around. If she was still around, okay, different yeah. story. But now they put themselves in the corner yeah, sure. and we'll see what's going to happen.
1: I, I feel you on that. I know we were talking about that. Me and Joseph were having lunch the other day with uh, Alex Damon and his wife Molly over at Star Wars Explained. And uh, they kind of, they, Alex really kind of feels that too. Like, Hey, uh, Luke, Luke living would have been a good thing. So, Hey, you know, you, you make your, you make your shots, you, you, you tell the story and, and you take those chances. We'll see what goes from there.
3: But yeah, to be devil's okay. advocate here, He did go out like a champ. No, yeah, to (laughs) myself, right? He he did go out like a champ. If he was going to go out, he went out the most perfect way. You know what I'm saying? Now, the only other thing I can say is why didn't his metal hand, why did his metal hand disappear? (laughs) Now, is it, is it, is it, um, is it a botch? Did they really mess up? Or is it something bigger? Just like in episode seven when Chewie walks back past Leia and Leia hugs Ray. Right. And, it was, and then JJ says it's an oversight. No, buddy, you're getting paid millions of dollars. You can't afford oversights. I think there's bigger, it's a bigger part of the plot that has yet to be developed. So. Uh-huh. I'm on board for it being something bigger. I have a feeling they just uh, plumb
1: forgot, though. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, what would you think that would be? Like his arm clunks down, or his arm, and then uh, it, it, you know it turns into something else. The arm goes Sith. What do you think?
3: Well, I don't know. I mean, if the cape stays, why wouldn't a metal arms you know, just clunk I mean, to the ground? I mean, exactly. maybe maybe he didn't die. Maybe oh. maybe JJ can ret- retcon it somehow where he disappeared <laughs> and he disappeared somewhere else. You know what I mean? Who knows. <laughs> Hey,
1: you know, world between worlds, you don't know. Dude, I love well, talking Star Wars with you, man. You're great. Well,
3: thank you, man. Same here. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Same here. No, I, I cut you off. No, no. I was going to say because the Force, it mm. binds us, right? It's, it yeah. binds everything together. We don't know the limitations of the Force because there aren't any limitations. So every movie, they can present us with a new power. And as mm. long as they make it believable, we'll buy it. In episode seven, he stopped the blaster shot. Uh Kylo stopped the blaster shot. We've never right. seen that before. That was fine. You know what I mean? I hundred percent agree with you on that. I I don't you understand know.
1: the I need to have seen this force power someone else somewhere else to believe it. I. I it's the
3: force. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. But people let put it this way. I, I was t- having this discussion the other day. I said, if social media was around when Empire came out and when Return of the Jedi came out, those yeah. movies would not be considered great. They'd been they would have been crucified. You know, how they, can you batch the feedback at the end of Empire? What do you mean? That's his father. Spoiler alert. Sorry, people. You know, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, what do you mean? This is that impossible. Oh, no, this movie sucks. You know, and then yep. they return to the Jedi teddy bears. What do you mean teddy bears? What's next? Porgs, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, it just you can't win. You can't win. People were complaining episode seven was too similar. So yeah. they went to complete 180 in episode eight. They gave them something totally different left field, which I loved. And then people yeah. were complaining, oh, no, this is too different. Oh, come on, dude you can't win.
1: I love, I love where you're coming from. And it shows when uh, the fact that you like uh, me and many others are just really enjoying solo. Don't sleep on solo is what we should be saying to everybody. Don't miss this for any reason that you think go out and see it. I know anyone listening here now has seen solo, but I love your joy for star Wars and, and specifically, uh, Disney star Wars right now, because I, I I love seeing uh, people find reasons, not find reasons, but feel the reasons that are still there for us to connect, you
3: know? Oh absolutely man At the end of the day People just need to get off their soapbox And they need to realize that Wait a minute You know what The reason I fell in love with Star Wars Wasn't because I tried to find out spoilers Or backstage news About the films being made It's because I sat down And I got lost in the film And I watched it And I fell in love with it That's what people need to do with the new films Whether it's an episodic film Whether it's just an anthology film Whatever the case may be The comic books The the books and the novels themselves All you have to do is sit back And lose yourself in them And you're going to enjoy them I personally love I mean, to be honest with you I'm on the fence of Which one is my favorite one Out of the new ones Because I really love Solo I think, yeah I mean, Solo might be up there More than than Last Jedi In Episode 7 for me right now So
1: I love it I love it. I love that we can have that conversation that you love them so much, much like I do, where I'm like, I don't know. I'll watch all of them. I'll put them all on a Blu-ray and watch them all in one day. And there's more coming. Uh, Hey, we got to go here. You supersized interview with you. I love it. We're going to do this again. We're going to talk more Star Wars with you. But for the Force Center fans out there, put yourself over, man. Tell them where they can find you and what you're doing.
3: Absolutely. Uh, you guys can find me on social media on Twitter at Greek God on Facebook, Demetrius Papadon. Uh, my pro wrestling t store is pro wrestling tees backslash Greek God Papadon for the best t shirts in the business. And then you can subscribe to my YouTube page where you can see some of my matches, some of my promos, and that's under Greek God Papadon. And you can catch myself, Stevie Richards from the BWO. Big Sal from the FBI, both ECW legends, both WWE wrestlers, and Ben Hamin, one of the greatest uh, talkers in the business today, um, on the Realm Network with Vince Russo, on uh, Twitch, live on Twitch every Wednesday at Mm 6.15, on Stitcher, iCloud. We're going to be on Google Play soon, um, on iTunes. The podcast is called The Conspiracy Horseman. It's four guys who are professional wrestlers, talking shop not about wrestling but about conspiracies and about free thinking and about awakening the masses so it's something totally different and you know we welcome anyone to come on board and just give us 10% of your of your day because at the end of the day we'll have you scratching your temple, saying wait a minute no <laughs> way I can't believe that's not true I gotta research it for myself Mandela Effect what's that? I
1: love it I love it I love it I love what you do you are absolutely one of the best heels working today and I love uh, seeing your stuff. I love that we, you and I were able to connect uh, over the internet talking Star Wars and uh, can't wait to uh, actually finally see a work in person. Uh, didn't happen last time because of a bad schedule uh, on my end, but uh, when you coming out to California to, to, to wrestle again, When you, you got something?
3: Well, I was supposed to be there on the 24th for Bumps and Brews, but unfortunately it didn't work out. Okay. Um, so the next one, I'll definitely be there. I don't have the date for that as of yet. Should sure. be hopefully in the next... Two to three months when they run the next show, uh, maybe Bart from AWS, who's also a big Star Wars uh, right. aficionado. He loves watch, he loves watching you guys as well. Uh, the Jedi Council. Okay. So uh, he, when he, when he brings me in, he'll bring me in. He hasn't given me a date recently as well, um, and hopefully I'll be there soon because I love Cali, man. I'd love to sit down and talk shop with you guys any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Absolutely, we will do it again. That is a Greek god, Papadon. That is a fun
1: conversation here on Forcer. All right, special thanks as I come back live. I'm not live, I'm on tape. But that was me in, like, another room another mic. Can you tell? I want to thank uh, the Greek god Papa Don. Uh, go check out his stuff, check out his uh, shirts. I wear one on the Down from time to time. And uh, big Star Wars fan. I'm glad to, glad to see how Star Wars affected him. And it was uh, good to get his thoughts on Kylo Ren from a heel perspective. Love doing these interviews here. And you're going to see more and more, not just in Spotlight Star Wars. But me, Joseph, and Jennifer going to be sitting down with some other folks uh, as well on some of the other Force Center programming. As we like to do here on Spotlight Star Wars, uh, I like to share a listener memory. This is from a listeners' words on Patreon, where we post a thread for you guys to share your memories. And then I uh, share it here, share it with the world, and we talk about it. And this one comes today from Thomas Risling. I also know him as Sir Thomas the Tall when he used to call into my old uh, show on uh, Anchor Daily Thrones. He also does great work with uh, Cody Getch on at Crisis Averted Studios. Check them out. Uh, So he writes... I will never forget that moment I fell in love with the idea of Star Wars. That same day, I also fell in love with the idea of having another, quote, world for a story and its characters to exist within. I was seven and had only seen Empire and Return of the Jedi when my dad picked me up from school and told me we were going to see the new Star Wars movie, all caps, in the theater. So we loaded up the car, drove out, stood in line for hours, and finally the lights dim. The THX theme plays, and then the beautiful masterpiece that is John Williams' opening theme captivated me from the opening note. The subsequent reactions of people cheering, friends hugging, and my dad with his hand on my shoulder whispering, "'Here we go!' It was staggering in a great way. As a young boy, I related to Anakin and all of the odd things in the world that he didn't understand but so desperately wanted to. It directly reflected how I felt during that first view of Phantom Menace and continues to do so, even now as an adult who reads every scrap of canon that is published. To this very day, it is why I write and create. Star Wars has created an entire galaxy of fictional characters, ideologies, and locations that mean more to me than I had ever thought possible. A world that I can escape to when my own world feels like it's collapsing in on me. A world that doesn't judge what baggage I pack along with me. A world that exists simply for the fans who fell in love with an idea, may the force be with you, always says Thomas. Great words. Well said. I can't approve on that, but other than agree that Star Wars does a lot of things. I know what Thomas is talking about, about this world, when you fall into this world of Star Wars. And for some people out there, they just don't connect to that. I'm not talking about Star Wars fans. This is not like a Last Jedi, what did you connect with conversation. I know people that just don't get Star Wars. They've watched it. Eh, some of them are like, hey, it's kind of fun. Other words, like, nah, I just didn't, not my thing. I know no problem with that. It's not for everybody. I feel slightly sorry for them, which seems kind of pompous. Maybe it is. But you know what I mean? Because what Thomas is talking about is the inspiration we all get from Star Wars. This world that we can crawl into, these characters, these far corners of the galaxies. Uh, as I talked about, like what I love Solo, the movie's doing, is putting a, put another story down on the timeline that you can start piecing and connecting things to and, and pulling little tiny characters and moments And then I love the perspective of a young kid. Here you are, seven, and you're watching Anakin. And in many ways, that's you. And that's what George Lucas was intending. Right or wrong, executed badly, different conversation, different show. He's saying, hey, youngsters, this is what you can start out as. And this is where you can end up going. If you make the wrong choices, if your attachment becomes a driving force, if it becomes too much. If you let anger and hate and fear, it will turn to suffering. Those are the things George is saying, and Thomas is talking about it. He's talking about how he connected to Anakin at a young age, and lost in this world, lost in adulthood that's racing towards you, even at that young age. That's one of the things George is trying to accomplish. And then the inspirational aspect of Star Wars. I love that Thomas touches upon it. I know his work, at crisis-averted studios. In fact, they've done some work for me over the Knapsack Files. And to see that Star Wars inspires you then to create now is something that's part of the Star Wars legacy. And it's not just in, say, writing and making movies or shorts or directing or anything like that or art. Sometimes you, you, you know there's some scientists I've heard say, oh, I got into science, yes, because of Star Trek, but also because of Star Wars. Because imagining what's out there in the stars. And maybe space you really can't hear in X-Wing, but I'm going to go find out. It's inspirational on that level, too. And this world to crawl into when things go wrong. I love that, too. The sick days at elementary school. Homesick. Mom would like, what do you want to watch? For a long time, it was a VHS copy of New Hope. I can remember where the commercial breaks were. I remember one of the commercial breaks. You come back, and Luke's uh, uh, land speeder, the X thirty fourth land speeders, boom, going across the plains as they look for r two. I remember that coming back from a commercial break and going to commercial break was uh, Vader about to interrogate Leia, and then the uh, the the interrogator droid comes up and then boom, the door slams, boom, commercial. You escape. I was sick. I was home. I want to escape. You're depressed. You're sad. You want you escape into Star Wars. And it's an inspirational escape. It's an informative escape. It's an educational, learning, fun escape. And that is a good thing. And it all connects back to solo for me. I didn't like Lady Proxima's voice. Not my favorite thing. I saw the Beckett thing coming. Yeah, yeah, I did. I kind of saw the Kira one coming too, at least least one or two of the swerves. I didn't see the mall thing, but I saw a lot of things coming, right? Didn't matter. I said to one of my friends after the, after the movie, if I was 12 and this movie came out, I'd watch it 50 times. I'd watch it 100. It would mean as much to me as A New Hope did when I first saw it, when I first was able to grasp it. Much to me as Return of the Jedi meant when I first saw it. I was able to grasp it in Empire as well. Solo has that DNA. It has that DNA of joy. It has that DNA of escape. It has the DNA of lessons. Who are you? What do you want? What do you think you are? But what do you really need to be because that's who you are? Find it. Han tried to find it his whole life. And we've been all trying to find it, especially since we first saw Star Wars. Crawling into the galaxy, I love celebrating. I love having fun. Box office numbers, eh, we'll deal with them. Who's directing this? Who's writing that? We'll deal with it. But for right now, we have Star Wars. We have new movies and new stories, new characters and old characters learning new lessons. I love it. Now, as we also love to do, let's head on out. But before we do, let's pay homage to a fallen Star Wars character. A son of Rhodia, a staple of Tatooine, he became a luckless bounty hunter with a reputation for tomfoolery and infamous for his quick death at the hands of the galaxy's favorite scoundrel. But let's take a moment to remember a known name that was on the cusp of greatness. Let's take a moment to remember Greedo. In a galaxy full of beloved heroes who literally save the day, and sometimes equally beloved villains who literally try to destroy the day, Greedo represents something else. The every being. The ones making their way through the galaxy with goals that far outreached their life's grasp. Denizens of the far corners of the galaxy's rims who wanted something more for themselves and came so, so close while falling so, so far. Greedo's young life was spent under a dusty tattooing cloud where he exhibited a quick temper and a tendency to pick fights he couldn't win. Following a brief encounter with the child who would one day become Vader, Greedo set out for a life of crime, which for many in his position was the only way to a better life. Early success led him to a big job during the Clone Wars. He and another were tasked with kidnapping the offspring of the respected Chairman Papanoida of Pantora. He almost pulled it off. However, a series of blunders and missteps cost Greedo the big score and shamed him in front of Jabba the Hutt. From there, he continued to chase success, never quite reaching it. A scam to capture free and recapture the same criminals for bounties was exposed, and once again, the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt was not pleased. Greedo had to make it right. Greedo knew he would make it right, and there was one bounty that he was determined to score. He walked into Chowman's Cantina in the dingy heart of Moss Isley with a purpose. He could taste the success and notoriety he deserved. He had the drop on his target with his smug Carillion smirk dead in his sights. Some say he missed at point blank range. Some say he never got the chance to shoot first. Stories from that cantina never did seem to come out the same way. But what we do know is that the galaxy has its heroes. The galaxy has its villains. And somewhere in the middle lay the souls just one shot away from it all. So here's to dreams. Here's to Greedo. It's okay to shed a tear for Greedo. He is, after all, probably our favorite Rodian, despite what he tried to do. That's Spotlight Star Wars for this week, guys. May that Force thing, kind of, sort of, always remain around you.
0: Thanks for listening to Spotlight Star Wars on Force Center. Follow us on Twitter at ForceCenterPod and follow Ken online, including Twitch, at Ken Knapsok. Consider supporting Force Center on Patreon at patreon.com slash Go to ForceCenterPod.Podomatic.net for more information. And use the hashtag SpotlightStarWars to join the conversation. Until next time, this has been Spotlight Star Wars on Force Center.